Alright, there are usually only two reasons we lose points. Our inability to hit a target and or we weren't standing in the right spot. Alright you guys, welcome to Tournament Talk. This is your host Marissa Johnson and today I'm very excited to have a very special guest, Ryan from Two Minute Tennis. Woo! <laughs> Thanks, Marissa, so much. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I, I was just saying in my last podcast how I needed to get one of those soundboards. Um, anyways, so um, love the quote that you started talking about. So obviously today's topic, everybody, we're talking about how to win more points. So this is super duper exciting. And before we get all into the nitty gritty, I wanted to just obviously get to know Ryan a little bit more. So Ryan, the world wants to know... Um, all about you, how you got started with Two Minute Tennis, and a little bit about your tennis history. Sure. So I, I'm 41, and I started playing tennis when I was five. In, uh, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. And uh, around the time I was 12, I really just fell in love with coaching, whether it was helping somebody in my, my junior class. And I just loved the mechanics of tennis, and I loved communicating how to accomplish those mechanics. Uh, when I was 14, I started my first tennis teaching business. Um, I had basically a full slate of students every Saturday, um, and I, you know, teaching adults, teaching kids. And when I was 18 years old, four days after graduating high school, I did not go to college. Uh, probably would have been a total waste for me anyway, because I was going to be a tennis coach no matter what. <laughs> Four, four days after t uh, graduating high school, I moved to about an hour north of Philadelphia, and I've been teaching at that club, Doylestown Tennis Club, ever since. It's now... Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, my fault. So about uh, 2014, I got the idea that I wanted to do some online instruction. And so I had noticed that a lot of coaches were putting up very long uh, videos, 50-minute videos, 45-minute videos. And I started hearing people, because it started to really become popular, mm -hmm. I started hearing people at my tennis club talking about how they wished the videos were shorter. Right. And I got the idea, why not come up with a shorter version of tennis instruction yeah. on video, online? Mm -hmm. And that's where I like the alliteration of two-minute tennis. Yeah. I like the sound. Um, it just kind of lets you know that it's short bits of information. And that kind of took me, kind of did this podcast right here. Mm -hmm. I started doing a little more on social media, on Instagram, now on TikTok and YouTube, uh, my own podcast. So. It's been really fun. I've been able to meet great people like you and just so many other people who are passionate about tennis. That's kind of how I got into this podcast with you right now. Awesome. I love it. I honestly, um, I remember the first time I ran across your Instagram account and I was reading Two Minute Tennis and I was like, hmm, that sounds catchy, but Instagram only lets you upload one minute. So I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say that. And I'm like, no, 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 it has nothing to do with Instagram. It's just, it's yeah. just, it's just my game. It's all for the alliteration. <laughs> it's all for the alliteration. What, you know, a, a minute and 50 second tennis was already taken, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. So that's super awesome. So you're a tennis fanatic. That's really cool about your, you know, after high school, you already knew you wanted to be a tennis coach. For me, it was totally different. I was in college, like, wondering... 
what am I going to do with my life? And I don't know why I didn't think about tennis coaching, but even after I got my degree in marketing, hello, tennis coach still. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I think they're both very useful. But anyways, um, so awesome to get to know you, but let's get into what the people came for, even though they probably came to get to know you too. Um, <laughs> we're going to learn about how to win more points. So you've got a couple bullet points. Uh, I know you gave me two topics that you would like to discuss about how you can really win points, and I 100% agree with them. So let's talk about the very first thing that you need to be able to win more tennis points. Yeah, so... The first thing you've got to do is you, and, and really the quote is, there are reasons why we lose tennis points, and they are <clears throat> our inability to hit targets, Yeah. and we weren't standing in the right spot on the court. So let's mm -hmm. go with the first one. Yeah. In, the inability to hit a target. <clears throat> I've been teaching now for 23 years, you know, after high school, and I've come to realize a while back, many, many years back, that my students and my students range from beginners to like a 4.5 level of play. That's right. my typical, that's like a typical tennis club and a typical tennis coach. Yeah. I came to realize that my students were not specific enough with their targets, mm -hmm. specifically their air target. I have been shocked every time I ask my students, Hey, on that last shot, can you tell me exactly how high over the net you were trying to make the ball cross? Mm. They'll say no. And then I'll, I'll ask a group of people. And I like asking a group of people because then they don't feel like they're the only one. Right. They get to hear other people say the same low number. Yeah. I'll say, hey, George, what percentage of the time do you pick a specific air target over the net? And he'll go, and like they always make a face. Like, right. Uh, I hadn't even thought of that. I don't think many say, people have thought of that. Like, honestly, I'm thinking of it now like crap. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know yeah, if I so thought of that. What I always tell my students is that your air target plus the speed of your ball mm -hmm. plus the spin you put on the ball equals where it lands. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to be able to hit the ball one inch over the net, which, by the way, happens to be players' favorite shot to hit. Yeah. You're not going to hit the ball low over the net and hit it deep consistently. Right. Right. You've got to smoke that ball. You've got to crush it in order for that to occur. Mm -hmm. And that's just a recipe for being inconsistent and a recipe yeah. for losing lots of points. Yeah. So the first thing I want players to understand is you want to be as specific as possible when it comes to what you want to do with that ball. Yeah. How fast you want it to travel, the spin you want to put on it, the height, left or right, deuce or add, the depth, um, the spin, if I hadn't mentioned that already. So the goal is to be as specific as you can what I've noticed is generally the one that players miss the most, meaning they don't think of it, is the air target. And the air target happens before the court target. True. So for, for the listeners, if every time you hit the ball, it, and by the way, this doesn't mean you always hit your air target. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a tennis coach because I rarely hit my tennis <laughs> target. If I'd be on TV if I always hit it. Yeah. But, it, but at least have the goal and... When you have a goal, it's mm -hmm. actually achievable. And that's like in anything, right? I don't have to go on that. But it's it's about having as specific uh, an air target as possible. Yeah. Because most people do think about where they want the ball to land a little bit. But the air target is the one that people miss the most. So just that tip right there, mm -hmm. I think will instantly get players 
to, especially if they're looking for more depth on their shots, right. think about lifting the ball and hitting the ball a little higher over the net than mm-hmm. they typically would ever think they should. I, I love that. That is a completely new take. Like when you actually sent me the, the topic points, I was like, oh yeah, I hit a target. Like you want to hit it cross court or you want to hit it down the line, which I think most people revert to thinking about. But I love that you're bringing into the air target, which of course does come before the real target. And I, I just think intention is so important for a player to be able to work a point. So let's say, um, let's say I'm a newbie at tennis and I like, is what's the secret to being able to hit your air target then? Do you just, do you just think about it? Or like, I know it has a lot to do with technique and, and like, there's so much involved, but what do you have like a quickie? Maybe. Oh, it's absolutely one of my favorite drills. I'm really glad you're asking this question. So what I like to do is I like to go to the grocery store every so often mm-hmm. on my way to work and pick up a helium balloon. Ooh. And I get a helium balloon with a nice long string, and I'm meaning like a 30-foot string. Nice. And Because you want to be able to practice lobs too. Right. And I'm using helium balloons all the time. And you get the little chip clip mm-hmm. at the bottom of the string. You clip the balloon and you can vary the height. Uh-huh. And just having that target floating mm-hmm. in the air above the net. I mean, uh, you, you'll be shocked how the students never hit the net. Because now they actually know, oh, that's where I want. And here's the amazing thing, Marissa, is you'll put the balloon much higher than the student thinks it should be. Yeah. And then they start missing, and I'm talking like six, eight, ten feet above the net, mm-hmm. and get them rallying from five feet behind the baseline. And they'll yeah. go, there's no way. Mm-hmm. And I go, go ahead, let's rally. And they'll miss the balloon by an inch. The ball lands a foot from the baseline, and I go, that's the height. Based on your level of play, you're a 3-0 level. Right. You don't have a lot of top spin right now. You're not hitting the ball very hard. Let's get the ball away from the net because the net accounts for more than 50% of all misses. So yeah. let's instantly stop hitting the net, which means we're going to be more consistent and we're going to raise our tolerance. So we're not going to, you know, we're going to force our opponent into missing more often and we're going to get depth. It's like a double, triple whammy, but yeah. getting a helium balloon on a nice long string instantly gives you the visual. And then once you take it down and you start playing, you got that idea in your mind. That is so cool. And I think that's a perfect idea for my lesson. I should go pick up one of those. Um, so I think uh, that is on, honestly 100% true. Like, I think if more players just avoided the net altogether, I mean, just think just think even at the beginner or 3-0 level, like sometimes the perception of players on the court, they don't really know where they're standing. So if you make it over the net in general – they might just take it out of the air and, and like totally save you and not even realize it all the 100%. time. <laughs> so, you know, I think definitely that is the way to go. I think the net is death. And I think that if p- players can avoid that by using that drill, that's phenomenal. So, amazing. Let's get moving to your second talking point, which I'm actually really excited about because I'm all about footwork, hint, hint. What is it? Number two. <laughs> Now, hold on just a second. If we have time, I would like to talk about the second subcategory of this first one about about um, the inability to hit targets. So let me just say this, if I may. Yeah, totally. Let's do it. It's really it's really important because there are two reasons players don't hit their targets. Right. The first is that they don't have a target, but the second reason players don't hit their target 
is because there's something wrong with their technique. I am so passionate about filming. I yeah. am constantly trying to educate coaches, players, parents, club owners, the importance of self-evaluation yeah. through video. And so the, the best thing that we can all do, I did, a, a, I did an Instagram story. I've done multiple since last September, maybe five different times. And on my story on Instagram, I've asked, have you ever seen yourself on video? And Marissa, every time I ask that question, more than 50% of the time, the player says no, or it's like 55 right. and 45 in the answer. Yeah, so I think people don't think about it because, I mean, I think about it because I post for content and all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, you know, it's it's tough also because I think some people think it's weird or like maybe they don't want to you know, offend the other person on the court. But to be honest, it's like, who cares? You're only going to film yourself anyway. And it, it, as a coach, any, I never film someone without their permission. So I always ask, do you mind if I film you? And if they say no, and I get people who say no, I'm like, you got it. Yeah. Um, but I would say 90% of the time they say yes. But every single one of my students has seen themselves on film, and I yeah. encourage them to film themselves. Yeah. So that's a really big one because if you know what you look like, uh, people believe what they see, not what they hear. Exactly. And so when, so so people people tell me the type of swing they use, and then I'm like, oh, let me show you, and they're like, no way, I didn't even realize I was doing yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, the, the the biggest thing here is also that we have to understand that intentions drive technique. Mm -hmm. So how you? It's like that's why the waiter always asks you, how would you like your eggs? Yeah. Chef doesn't know what technique to use on the eggs until you have the intentions of what eggs you want. It's, and that's kind of the, I like scramble. And so that's kind of the idea. It's, we need to make sure that one, we have a target. Mm -hmm. And then two, we have sound mechanics that can actually accomplish that target. Wow. So on to the second reason I believe people lose points. And it is because first they just have faulty footwork. They're not standing in the right spot. Yeah, and the, and the and the first reason I believe truly is that they're not split stepping. Yeah, the split step is the breaking mechanism. A lot of times people think of it as um, it's the way to get a first step and yeah. a fast first step, and it absolutely is. It's yeah. the best way to get a fast first step, but it's also a breaking mechanism, especially when you want to change direction and when yep. you're going forward. Exactly. We've all gone we've all gone too fast around the corner while driving. And yeah. if we had only gone a little slower, we could have taken a sharper turn. Right. Well, when you're going forward to the net, I believe a lot of players don't like going to the net, not just because they have something wrong with their technique, but they always feel like the ball goes whizzing by them, or it seems like the ball's close to them, but they can't get to it. Yeah. And the ability to properly split step and the proper timing of a split step is to be in the air as your opponent makes contact yep. so that you're landing just after, which synchronizes when your feet hit the ground yeah. to when your brain recognizes where to go. And the braking mechanism allows you to change direction, but then the bounce and the explosion allows you to be fast. It's a very cool thing. And so being in the right spot and yeah. being on balance hitting the ball is vital in your ability to win points, to prolong points, to keep in the point to attack the net. I'm a yep. big believer in getting to the net more often. So the the ability to win more points will come from having better footwork and just the ability to split step, I think is a huge contributor to that. And honestly, like you'd be surprised how many people 
even that that claim to be like more intermediate players and they don't know how to split step like they they learned all the technique and 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 that's great however i mean just thinking about it this is such a crucial point because no matter how good your technique is if you're not positioned well for the ball how are you going to make contact where you want there goes all your consi- there goes all your consistency there goes all your power and i love what you were talking about about um you know being balanced there's so many times i mean that's like all the time my clients are falling off their back foot or they're falling over this edge over here because they haven't established a solid foundation and i think that's like honestly the number one thing like what you're saying is just are you prepared for the shot and if you're prepared with a split step and you're on time then you can position yourself well for the ball otherwise it's kind of like you know so one one hundred percent in everything you're saying i agree with yeah with with the split step which is a physical thing to do right to help you be in the right spot the second idea below below being in the right spot and how players are not in the right spot is what I call a lack of empathy. So I feel players do not have the ability often enough to put themselves in their opponent's shoes, see the point and the shot from the opponent's side of the court, yeah. and take a, a an educated guess on the shot the opponent is going to hit. Yeah. About six months ago, there was a woman at our tennis club, and I've known this woman for years. Uh, I, I haven't taught her much, but I, I know her well. Mm-hmm. And she said to her friends in a group, I have the hardest time knowing where my opponent is going to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, after the, the group dispersed, I walked up to her and I said, do you mind if I give you one quick tip? And she said, oh my gosh, absolutely. I said... I overheard you say that you never knew where your opponent was going to hit the ball. And she said, yeah. I said, let me ask you first, before I give you this tip, how often do you always have a target when you hit the ball? And she goes, I never do. I said, if you don't have a target, you always hit in a certain situation. And, and, a, and a standard by which you play, mm-hmm. then how can you take your take the point or flip the point and look at the point for your opponent's side and guess what shot they're going to hit? For instance, if when you always lob in doubles, mm-hmm. sorry, when you always switch in doubles, if whenever you switch and you're in trouble, you always lob, then when you lob your opponents and they're switching, you're like, they're probably going to lob us. Right. You can start to you can start to take a guess at what your, your opponent's going to do with their shot if you know what shot you would go for in the same situation you see your opponent in. If you, if, if you never hit a certain shot in a certain situation, how can you possibly come up with a guess of the shot your opponent is going to hit? Yeah. And so it kind of goes back to always having a target. But if you can start looking at the opponent's situation and go, what shot would I go for in her situation? Right. Then you can start to prepare for that and you'll be so much better. I I have players who lob their opponent. I have students who will lob the opponent successfully and then get right up against the net. Well, the opponent's going to lob back. So you just made it easier for them to lob you. 
I always say to the student, I say, well, what shot do you think they're going to hit? And mm -hmm. they say, I think they're going to hit a lob back. And then mm -hmm. I say, well, what shot would you like to hit off of that lob? And they say, overhead. I said, you can't hit an overhead from one inch from the net because mm -hmm. it's going over your head. Yeah. And you can't hit an overhead from the baseline. Get to the service line. If you can, if, which again, goes back to always having a target. Right. Which is the why I said it's the first one because I actually believe it's the most important because yeah. it's how you come up with your technique because yeah. intentions drive technique. It gives you the reason to split step because you can start to understand, oh, these are the range of shots they can go for. If, if for my students, for your listeners, if they can start to empathize mm -hmm. and just put themselves in their opponent's shoes and start to understand what shot the opponent might go for most likely, then they can position themselves as singles or as a doubles team to best react and best handle the shot the opponent's going to hit. Booyah, Ryan. That is like gold. Like, honestly, that that's a, and that's a tough situation. You hear clients, they ask that all the time. Like, how, how am I supposed to know what my opponents hit? And you're the first one that actually, it's eye-opening for me because I never thought about telling them like, oh yeah, well, what would you do? You know, that's totally 100% gold right there. Everybody listening, what? <laughs> I'm so happy you like it because well, it's I so good. The, re the results with my two fives, my three O's, my three fives, five O's and up, like they get this already. Right. They usually get this. Right. But, but, but the 90% of tennis players really struggle. And I, it's funny, Marissa, because I start, they say I struggle with anticipation. Right. So what I start doing is I start putting them in all different kinds of situations. Yeah. And then just having them hit targets and hit the appropriate shot. Yeah. This is a green situation. Be offensive. Okay, you're in a red situation. Be defensive. And they're like, wait a minute. I thought you were going to teach me anticipation. I'm like, how can you anticipate what your opponent's going to do if you don't even know what you're going to do? Right. Because people of the same level have the same thinking typically they have the same of the shots they typically go for so know about yourself in order to know more about what your opponent's going to do brilliant just brilliant amazing so, okay <laughs> okay good. so let's get the breakdown here so how to win points summarization number one you have to have no. an intention yeah 100 percent. you have to have the intention and the way you find this intention for um height over the net of course is get a balloon and tie it to a, to a net <laughs> i'm telling you that i absolutely love it it's great for kids too they love it yeah but just having that visual so top notch and then number two of course being positioned well for the ball and obviously having that footwork and that split step and the preparation phase of your stroke intact love yep. it um, is there anything else that you want to throw in just before I close it out? No, I think, I mean, this is, I, I love the forum. I love, um, I love, you know, your ability to draw, like ask really good questions and draw even better answers. Um, but just, I, I want people to know it's possible to improve. It's possible to get better. And no one is ever going to play their absolute fantasy level of play, not even Federer and Serena play their best tennis every time. Right. But if we can just be continuous in our in our education, in our self-evaluation, in our desire to get better, mm -hmm. then that's where the true fun of tennis actually comes from. 
Love it. And totally 100% agree. Like, the most fun thing for me is why I still compete and love to learn myself is just that value of of self-improvement and feeling like you succeeded because you worked hard and you tried and you did what you had to do to get to that next level. So, love it. All right, I'm going to close this out. But before I do, um, Ryan, tell us where to follow you, what, what social media platforms you're on, and if you have any amazing content that you have extra that you want to share sure yeah so if you're in the pennsylvania philadelphia area you can find me at doylestown tennis club about an hour north of philadelphia what, what? Uh, you can check out my website two minute tennis.net i'm on instagram two minute tennis underscore i'm on tiktok uh two minute tennis you can find me on linkedin two minute tennis you can find me on youtube two minute tennis the two minute tennis podcast you know i think you get the idea it's a two the number two not t-w-o in case, it is numeric. In it case numeric. you are listening. <laughs> <laughs> and then what services do you provide? So the people want to know. Do you? Yeah, are you talking about, so I, are you talking about in, like video, video lessons? lessons? Yeah. Yeah, so I do, uh, I'm helping both players and coaches. So I'm helping players through remote video analysis. I'm doing about one, one to two of those a day. And that is where people around the world are sending me videos of their technique. And I make a full video lesson uh the video lesson i just did today was an hour and four minutes long it is a video i send to people soup to nuts side by side comparison it's it's incredible the improvement this my students are seeing from this um so you can just reach out to me ryan at two minute tennis.net in order to uh ask more questions or just dm me on any of these social medias uh but i'm also if you're a coach helping coaches learn how to start a video analysis business, especially at the recording of this podcast during a quarantine where almost all tennis coaches cannot even get onto a tennis court. We still want to make an impact, a positive impact in players' games right. and knowing how and actually the, the actual mechanics of how to make a video lesson and remote stroke analysis for students. I'm currently doing those on Saturday nights with uh, coaches from around the world uh, so people can reach out uh, for more information for those uh, products as well. Love it. All right, Ryan. Awesome podcast. We all got tons of value. Super duper excited. Um, for everyone that's listening, don't forget to follow Ryan. And of course, um, check out his services. He has actually sent me a video analysis long ago and it was fabulous. He taught me how to hit a birthday hat off my head. <laughs> Um, and um, on other notes, uh, for more to help you guys on how to win more points, and if specifically you needed help with footwork, don't forget you can get my free seven-day footwork challenge. I made five-minute footwork workout videos for you guys, and that will definitely help you hone in on your split steps. So do it, do it, do it. But other than that, I'm going to sign out, and I hope you guys join us on the next episode of Tournament Talk. All right, welcome everybody to Tournament Talk. And today I have a very special guest, Gary from Tennis with Gary. I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm gonna have him say his last name. Go for it, Gary. <laughs> okay, hi. thanks for having me, Marissa. It's a pleasure. Uh, so my name is Gary Kushnerovich, um, and Marissa asked me to give you guys a little bit of a, of a brief bio. So I'm gonna try to keep this short and sweet. 
uh, and I'm going to speed talk through this part, and then we'll slow it down <laughs> for the rest of our chat. So um, I grew up playing tennis in the eastern section, northeast. Um, I did well sexually, but uh, never really got a chance to, to travel too much. Uh, so then I ended up playing lower-level D1 tennis. I played for uh, the U.S. Military Academy, uh, and then I finished my degree with St. John's University, winning a conference title uh, at the Patriot League uh, with Army and the Big East uh, at St. John's. So that's that was my college experience. And uh, I started coaching in college to kind of fund myself as, uh, even though, I don't know if NCAA would be happy to hear that, you know, maybe with the rules changing, that's, uh, that's a different thing. But, uh, you know, made, made some money to kind of like pay rent and do all that stuff. And I realized that I wanted to pursue a, a professional career uh, so that I could see what it actually takes to achieve that level. Uh, so then I ended up traveling for a bit, competing, you know, uh, paying my way through that. And I got just inside the top 1,000 on the ATP ranking. Uh, it was a great experience. Got to travel uh, a decent amount uh, for a couple of years, so that was great. And then I still enjoy competing because who doesn't like playing points? You know, I, I like working on my game and all that. And most recently, I uh, played the wild card event and won it for the New York Open, uh, which is an ATP 250, so I got to play the qualities for that. I got uh, my my tush handed to me, but um, it was still it was a great experience nonetheless. And so uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at. And I uh, what I do now is I help tennis players play smarter uh, by improving their movement and their strategy on the court. And I work uh, independently in New Jersey and New York region. So that is my bio. Amazing. Okay, I didn't even actually know uh, how high ranked you got with the ATP stuff. That's pretty legit, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a fun time. I, uh, I wouldn't say high rank. Thousand is. Uh, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're talking right. I mean, high it's rank relative. for a lot of people. That <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, nonetheless, very impressive bio. I'm. I'm excited that you're having um, joining us on the podcast today. But um, today, you guys, we are going over very important topics, and that is how you can improve your tennis um, with fitness and specifically just training your fitness, um, not with technique, but off. Is it on? Are we doing on court exercises? We're both on on and off the court. Some stuff. Yeah, I think. Okay. I think. We're, we were talking about it kind of like the five five ways that we can help players improve their their fitness and performance on the court right because yeah um all of your audience they're uh, avid tennis players to some degree right they want to be playing tennis for many years and i think one of the uh important things is there's a lot of things that you could take from performance like i, I deal with high performance players and uh, that's what i'm passionate about but there's a lot of things that can be taken from uh, those players in their training and apply to everybody across the board. Uh, yeah. Whether you're a recreational, you know, you're once a week or, or once a month or whatever. I think we all have a desire to play and move well and do that for many, many years. So you know, taking care of our body, I think, is really, really important, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, do you want to just dive right in? Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I'm really excited for today. This is something that I'm also really passionate about, which is why. Um, I'm excited that you're here. We're chatting about it because um, just knowing from personal experience the amount that having some 
off-court training or even on-court training, but like specific to um, developing those tennis muscles, the ones that are most commonly used. Like you just feel so much stronger when you're out there. You, you're stronger in the legs, you're stronger in the lats or wherever you're stronger from working that muscle. You just feel like a million bucks when you actually take it on the court. So these are going to be amazing. I'm excited. Um, let's take it into these five ways that players can improve uh, their conditioning and their strength. Let's go. Okay, fantastic. So the first one is uh, deadlifting, right? And I know a lot of uh, a lot of people have this kind of like weird connection to us, or uh, maybe it's a stigma where it's only used for you know bulking or whatever it is, but deadlifting is the number one way to improve ground force, which as tennis players, that's your first step, right? So you don't just have to lift a ton of weight in order to, to have an effective deadlift or have it translate onto the court. Um, you know, doing it in a power way where you're, you know, really explosive off the ground using lighter weight, but deadlifting regardless across the board is extremely extremely helpful for tennis um for your serve for your first step running down shots everything right so that's the first one um the second one (laughs) second one is in terms of uh uh, conditioning this is right up uh, what you've been doing right now with with ripid fitness and your jump series Mm -hmm. right Uh, did i say that correct jump skip skip series right yes skip series sorry (laughs) I, I am actually a fan of calling it skipping rope rather than jumping rope, uh, so I'm all I'm Skip all in it. on that. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. So I think the and this is so so undervalued, right? Um, all tennis players move really really well, and the number one thing that they do, what rec players have a tendency to not do, is they're constantly moving their feet, right? So getting yourself used to and accustomed to constantly moving your feet by skipping rope. Uh, there's a really great drill that. Andy Murray uh, was doing a lot when he was still competing is uh, three minutes on one minute off and you do it up to 15 sets right depending on your age and level but um, at least five sets five rounds so three minutes on one minute off and you want to be averaging like 150 skips uh, a minute and that would be stellar because you're taking a lot of steps Um, it's it is exhausting and uh, you do notice a huge difference in terms of your cardio endurance if you get up to the, the 10 to 15 set range, you're like, wow, uh, playing a, a match becomes kind of easy, right? Yeah. Uh, because you're only really playing a match for like 17 minutes out of the entire time. There's a lot of in-between time. So if you can skip rope for 45 minutes, three minutes, right, by 15, is <laughs> you're going to feel great. Yeah, So sure. um, that's that's a huge one. And um, I know that you have this uh, the series and you've posted some videos on it already and i think one of the amazing things that you're doing is uh the progressions right it, it's not about just you can do you can skip rope in so many different ways some people find it boring but there's you just posted the other day 20 different variations that you can do with it yeah and if you're doing that right for yeah. 45 minutes you're gonna that's a great conditioning yeah. exercise. So I, I even that. like when I did um, that. I'm not gonna lie. When I did those 20 moves, I was like dying. I was like, I was yeah. literally just demonstrating, and I was like, okay, that's a good workout for the day. I'm done. <laughs> Especially those Absolutely. ones at the end, because they were from beginner to advanced, and I was like, okay, all right, I got this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great, and it's uh, it's great. You mentioned it in the in your video, right? It's great for coordination and all of that. So, um, absolutely, skipping rope, skipping rope, yes. not jumping rope, skipping rope. 
huge, huge uh, one to factor into your training. Uh, our third one is uh, going to be change of direction. So change of direction, uh, a lot of times we call what we think of uh, agility training, uh-huh. right? Agility is, uh, I'm just going to straight up, I, I used Google. I use my friend Google uh, to define these because um, I sometimes forget the exact definition, but agility is defined as uh, your change of velocity or direction uh, in response to a, simul- a stimulus, right? So it's, and it's free flowing. It's a little bit more of randomized uh, and again, stimulus, right? So it's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever used those Z balls, right? Kind of changing oh, in a different yeah, direction. Yeah. Those, I hated but, those. Yes. They're so hard. But one one that's super, super valuable for tennis players is actually change of direction. The actual idea uh, and way that you s- will stop your momentum and then change direction uh, is that's one of the most important ones for tennis. And that is uh, structured, right? Because you know it's a predetermined directional change that you're doing where you're working on cleaning up your movement um, and being more efficient uh, with that. So. Change of direction is going to be our third one that we want to work on, and a great drill for that is the Andy Murray drill. And uh, again, it's uh, it's where you start on the singles line and you go to the middle line and you face the net. So you're taking a big crossover and then a side shuffle, touch the line, crossover and then side shuffle, and you do it for 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Uh, you do three sets. So uh, it's again, it's age level dependent, but you're looking to get roughly 30 touches. And you use your racket without switching hands. So, great one to work on your crossover and your side shuffle, and also burn out your your hips and because you're forced to stay lower for in order to be quicker there, right? So, right. that's a, a really big one. I think um, there was. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. There was a lot of. I feel like there was a lot of Andy Murray drills, but I did one yes. um, in college that I think was like on the run forehand and then inside out forehand and then like back and forth and back and forth is that the, is that another Andy Murray one I don't know uh, I'm sure I'm sure it is that's the thing right that's that's one of the it was all the I switch of direction really, ones really difficult sorry it was all the switch of direction ones it was that and yes. then it was like side to side and then it was just like back and forth anything yeah similar yeah I think anything yeah like so that I think that's what, what's really interesting with tennis as, as an industry, right? Is like, we'll have the same exact drill and it'll have like 13 different names. And it's like, well, why can't we just agree to call it the same thing? Right. So, Therefore, it, all whatever. change of direction ones are now called the Andy Murray drill. We just proclaimed this. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Because easy, change of direction is so important. Right there. <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. So our next our next way to improve our uh, performance on the court is going to be footwork. So uh, I post this all the time on my Instagram page. Uh, it's called the clock drill, and it is a shadowing drill where you move to uh, seven of the most common shots that we hit on the court. So it's going to be a deep forehand, a wide forehand, a short forehand, a middle of the line forehand, a short backhand, a wide backhand, and a deep backhand. So it's from the middle of the court, you're moving in seven different directions. Um, and basically what you're working on there is, you know, cleaning up your footwork to get to each one of these shots within two to three steps. Yeah. Uh, and you want to do this, it's seven shots. If you do this for three sets, you're going to feel it. It's going to be really aggressive, especially if you're really focusing on sinking down into your split and pushing off in each direction really cleanly. So that's uh, a really, really good one for footwork. Um, I think one of the most 
commonly uh, undertrained elements of tennis, right? It's like Fed, Fed's always quoted for this is if I move well, I play well, right? Yep. So you want to work on your footwork to some degree. Um, and then our last tip for uh, how to improve your performance is racket head speed. So we're going to call this the towel drill. And I recently posted this, and we've talked about this a little bit. And you can do this both for your serve or your ground strokes. And what you do is you take your racket, the length of your racket, and you match it to a towel and you just tie a knot where the tip of your frame would be. So you have that length, and then you just go through kind of like infinity swings for your serve, and you do the same thing for your ground strokes. Uh, and just adding in a little bit of that focus, like where you're accelerating from and getting that great extension into the ball uh, is a really, really good way to just add in that racket head speed and get you you know, accelerating at the correct point in your swing. So um, recap. I guess really quick. Sorry. Yeah, SS no, it's, it's good. So it was, uh, deadlifting, uh, interval, deadlifting for strength and power, uh, interval jump roping for conditioning, change of direction using the Andy Murray side to side drill, um, footwork would be the clock drill, and then uh, the towel drill for racket head speed. And those are those are my five tips and takeaways. I love it. Um, let's go into a little bit more depth about the deadlift part because yes. not to mention this, I mean, not to call certain people out, I might be one of them, but before I got into more of the fitness side, I was a junior that was never stressed the importance of hitting the gym, hitting the weights. Um, it was all on court for me. And so for those that just like, don't, I guess, uh, go into a little bit more detail about proper form on the deadlift because I know that can cause injuries if they don't have like a trainer or somebody watching them. There's certain things yes. that you want to make sure that's that's happening with that deadlift. So explain a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so um, one of the biggest things is neutral spine, right? Um, we want to make sure that we're not looking up with our head or looking down. You basically look straight and you would, when you're doing it, you want to always lift with your, your legs. Uh, that's a big one. I think one of the common or misunderstood understood things about deadlifting is that it's um, you know, it has to be a lot of weight. And honestly, you can do a really effective single leg you know deadlift, single leg RDL, where it's a stiff leg. You're not bending the leg, right? And you just kind of go into uh, a crane. And that is incredibly uh, potent for your hamstrings, which is uh, super important. But just in terms of form is keeping a neutral spine. So if you were looking at me from the side, you want to make sure that you're not looking down or looking up where it's completely straight. And when you go back, you're activating your lats, making sure you're seated back with your shoulders and you're actually driving through your heels and making sure that you're actually spreading the floor apart so you're driving your knees out a little bit as you push up and engage your glutes uh, because it's not just your hamstrings that are participating but it's also your glutes that participate. And uh, yes, it is uh, a posterior chain which is your hamstrings, right, your back, everything. It's a posterior chain exercise but if you're doing it right, you'll feel it everywhere, right? It's yes. your core engages, your stabilizers in your shoulders from holding the weight. Everything is being activated and if done properly, uh, has a lot of really uh, great translations onto the court. I think one of the, you mentioned it, right, like you want to prevent injury. I think one of the big things is record yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and then try to match it up, okay, uh, take yourself through the you know checkpoints where 
am I activating my glutes when I'm, you know, actually coming up? Am I spreading my, my legs apart a little bit, like pushing them apart? Am I uh, making sure that I'm not curling my back and lifting with my shoulders, right? I'm seated back. I've got that neutral spine where I'm not curling or anything. Um, and I think those are the, the big ones driving through the heels, right? Um, and then if you record yourself, I think you, most people would notice, oh, okay, you know, I do have a little bit of a, of a hunch or, you know, maybe I'm, you know, trying to lift and throw my weight, my back out, right? But instead, you have to be lifting straight. Um, in that sense, I think you're absolutely right. You mentioned, like, as juniors, we're not, I was also, I was told you should be working out, but I wasn't told the importance of it, right? Okay. So um, I think there's, people think, oh, it's only for, for gaining muscle or whatever, but um, lifting weights has been proven to improve, you know, your uh, skeletal density, like bone density, right? There's a, a lot of benefit to that, uh, so that when you're older, you're not as, as fragile. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, it just comes with age. We, we lose calcium, we, it's just a part yeah. of it. But if you do actually train with weights, you have that bone density, it's reinforced, right? You're, um, you learn proprioception, which is like your understanding of space around you. Uh, there, there's so many benefits to just you know, being in tune with your body uh, when you train you know, in the gym that then translates so well onto the court. Now, I'm a big, big believer of that, and I know that you are too. Yeah. I see your, I see your training videos. I see you getting after it. Um, it's, it's Bye. crucial. Yeah, get that pump. I'm so buff. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that license for those right <laughs> but but for real though um as far as just strength wise um i know that like also a lot of players think like oh you know i don't have to worry about that because i'm not as hardcore as that guy over there on court five you know like um honestly these things these five ways that you can improve your your fitness like these are these are for every level and every player. Like, don't think that you have to be somebody trying to get into college or trying to play the pro circuit in order to take this stuff seriously because it literally will make the difference in your game. And not only that, but just like your overall feeling of endurance and strength. And I know, and I know that Gary knows that you definitely feel the difference when you feel strong out there and you feel like you're engaging the proper muscles. So it's it's uh, definitely got to do it. So glute engagement with those deadlifts and, and that full body. And then we got number two was, oh, what was that again? Iron Conditioning. You skip it. Skip yes, rope. the skip roping. And then we got the change of direction. And we've got the number four. Clock drill. Clog drill, your Clock fave. Tri- yeah. This is so good. And, and then, then the towel drill. And then the towel drill. Oh, that one. I want to touch on that because that's like one of my favorites. Um, Just like that's a huge one. Anybody can do it. And I, I love this one because you can do it at home because it will literally help you loosen up your grip and just have your wrists kind of like letting go. Uh, this is a huge thing with my recreational players, which I'm sure you see it too, is like, they, they're, they're stiff and they're like, they don't let their wrist go away from their forearm. And it's such a huge yes. thing. Like, this can help any level, any player. If you want to learn racket head speed, you guys, do this towel drill. Like, just start just start whipping it around and you'll totally get what yeah. looseness of wrist feels like. <laughs> like and yeah, it's that, that looseness, right? Mm-hmm. That you're using your body in a, 
in an efficient way that feels natural, right? You're not like, you're not obviously pulling anything uh, yeah. that's weird. You're just swinging to what feels natural for you. And uh, I think that that's also, that's so important that it, it should feel loose, right? It's not, it shouldn't feel like muscled and, and stiff and, and robotic. I, <laughs> this whole like, no, it's, yeah, exactly. We're not chopping anything. You don't want to like break it up. Just, just flow, flow that. You have that feel. Just go. You know what I always tell my, um, my players, I say, your upper body is on vacation in Mexico. You're so relaxed, but your lower body is doing all the good work, right? Yes, so, yes, I love that. That's a great uh, way to think of it. I, I literally have to tell people, like, I'm on vacation up here, but I'm doing a workout down here. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, that's such a big thing. And then uh, the skipping, that is also going to help with looseness of wrist, FYI, because um, it teaches you that you're holding on to a grip, but you're you're just letting the wrist go. So I love yes. all of that. That is so important um hopefully you guys wrote that down or if you're just listening make sure that you write them down after you're done listening and get to a pen and paper because this is the real deal stuff um i love this um so tennis with gary you guys that is his instagram if you guys want more um focus on that fitness aspect and not only that just like all things tennis uh tennis with gary's got it um is there anything else you would like to tell the wonderful people of the world that you have in, um, in your, you know, ready to go, ready to give them? You got any fun other yes, social so, medias? Um, if, you, if you guys are, uh, I appreciate that. Thanks. I'm going to plug it right now. So uh, <laughs> Plug it right there. Uh, Click the link in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, if you guys are looking for just a, a, a really good, tactical playbook uh, it's a freebie that i have it's on my website uh tenniswithgary.com uh, if you go on there you can also learn more about uh about some of the work that i've done with my players uh check me out on youtube same thing tennis with gary instagram tennis with gary uh and i am uh going to be relaunching so just completed five week footwork uh it's a course that i have been running this past uh I just did it five weeks, and uh, I'm going to be launching it again at the end of this month. So, you know, if you guys are interested in improving your uh, your mental, your footwork, your uh, conditioning, your strength, all of the good stuff that is required to be a tennis player, uh, please uh, feel free to sign up. Shoot me a message if you uh, are, have any questions about it. Um, I'm usually pretty good about answering my DMs. So that's, that's about it. That's my plug. Awesome. <laughs> I literally will be putting that link, though, in the in the description below. <laughs> awesome. Um, but other than that, um, thank you so much. I'm sure everybody listening got a ton of great insight from that and ways that they can improve their fitness and their tennis. Um, and other than that, I'm probably going to close up because we're getting a little over time. But uh, thank you so much. And we will see you and everyone else again on the next episode of...